What companies deserve your hard-earned dollar? Which would you want to work for? How can you know if they share your values? Just ask us. Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks who really means business in supporting workers, customers, communities, the environment, and shareholders. We measure progress, track success, and help them be better. When you see the Just Capital seal, you know what's real because just business is better business. Visit justcapital.com to learn who makes your dollar count. 1045 The Zone presents Big Orange Sunday. A look at all things Vols Athletics. Presented by Wilson Bank and Trust, Middle Tennessee's community bank. Now your host, former UT coach Doug Matthews on 1045 The Zone. And welcome into Big Orange Sunday. We are, of course, as always, brought to you by Wilson Bank and Trust. Spring practice starts this Tuesday up on the hill. I'll have a conversation segment a little bit later in the show, continuing with the conversations that are going on in the staff rooms. Defense again this week. I'll also talk about the, the three key position groups at building a program, not a season, but a program at the University of Tennessee regarding the football program. But first, we start with Billy the Legend, Bill Justice, brought to you by Stroud's Barbecue. Bill, I was watching the show last night, or game last night, excuse me, and I thought back to yesterday's show, uh, just kind of an off-the-cuff statement, I think, about uh, that you mentioned about uh, playing physical, uh, turnovers, uh, which, of course, is what Coach Barnes talks so much about. But more importantly... The difference in this game might be, and probably could be, the age difference, the experience difference. Tennessee with a lot of experience, Duke with starting four freshmen. And, man, that was pretty much the story of the game yesterday. Uh, I, the thing I think the story, story of the game was no question. The, the U- University of Tennessee's defense was absolutely suffocating. Duke never, in, from, the, from the early tip, they never got into any kind of rhythm or set plays. Tennessee came out. Uh, I tell you, their defense looked like it was coached by a defensive coordinator like named Doug Matthews, the way they came out and played, because they they were extremely physical, and they did it all over the court. Duke's offense could never get set up, never could run plays. Uh, the thing we've always said about it in basketball, and I don't know about football, but uh, defense travels. You know, no matter where you go, if you have a good defensive team in basketball, the background, the crowd, the people behind the basket and the views that you have, all those things that come into play on the road in basketball. But the defense travels. If you come and play that kind of defense, and Tennessee was as tough on defense as I've seen them uh, ever play. That was just a, a masterful game. If they continue that, there's nobody in this in this uh, tournament that they can't compete with. So, you know, on offense, Kumwa has 27 points a game of his career uh, so things are on down to uh, Madison Square Garden the iconic center of everything there in New York City um, I'm one of the one of the few that they've been able to play there as a Tennessee volunteer years ago so this is really great for for the Vols and their fan base kind of odd too in a different way you played at Madison Square Garden NIT and Played against a guy that knows a little bit about Duke and Mike Krzyzewski. Kind of interesting on that. But let's get into today's game. You, you mentioned uh, you, you mentioned Kumwa. Uh, his conversation, his interview after the ball game, I don't think I've ever heard this before, but he talked about getting down in the mud or made Duke get down in the mud. And what a great interview, first off, and what a great description of how that game, what the game plan was from Coach Rick Barnes. Yeah, and you know, the thing about it is, going into that game, Duke was actually a, a slight favorite, and and Tennessee just turned it upside down with a 13-point victory. Uh, I think it said a lot about this Tennessee team. We've talked about before that they've got experienced players. Uh, they've got players who, ha- who have been, who have won an SEC championship, uh, but they have not had a lot of success 
in the postseason in the in the national tournament, and that has been kind of a criticism uh, among the Tennessee fans and their fan base and people that that love basketball at Tennessee that they have not been able to do much. Well, you can throw that out the window because this is a team right now playing the way they're playing uh, can compete against anybody. And you know, next up they go against the 16 seed, so certainly they'll be they'll be. Uh, favorite in that game i had i had a couple of my fan friends that had called me and said who's fairly dickinson i've never heard of them you know so that's that's the kind of thing that we're in down in the east now so they have uh they've mapped themselves out a way to maybe advance a little bit further so if they continue to play defense and stifle people with the defensive effort that they're putting on the floor uh i'm convinced they can they can make this thing last a while purdue probably asked that same question didn't they Absolutely. You know, they were, you know, they, and not only that, but they couldn't, they get, their big guy couldn't score. You know, they didn't get points out of him and it wasn't, they weren't able to turn it around and get, uh, get points out of other people. So you just can't tell what's going to happen. That, that's one of the things that makes it so much fun is, you know, you go into this thing and you don't, you know, you think you're going to win and you think you've got a big advantage over somebody. You play a little bit below your level. They play above their level. Uh, and I think it is the thing that certainly makes a, a tournament uh, like the NCAA is one of the most uh, one of the most watched things in all of college sports and I, I know for sure that this tournament draws fans that maybe during the regular season aren't paying that much of attention but when he gets into this just the bra- bracketology with people all over the country <clears throat> picking teams they think are going to win and doing it for a night out you know in a, in a steak dinner or something makes it just as exciting for everybody well let's talk about number 13 let's start with that 27 points bill 22 minutes uh you know my my northeast math tells me that's a point a minute he was in the ball game 10 of 13 overall shooting three of four and three-pointers, and four or five in free throws. Add five rebounds into that, uh, and uh, I guess uh, significantly three personal fouls if you want to continue it. Have, have you, you watched a bunch of them. You played in many of them. Has there been a, t- a player have a better NCAA tournament game than he had yesterday? You know, having to think back, I, I'm not sure there has been. You know, when you – you go back and you think of Bernard King and Ernie Grunfeld and that group and, and coming on forward uh, as a single player in, in the NCAA tournament. That one, probably, we'd have to look at the history books. That's probably the best outing uh, that anybody's ever had as an individual in one game for Tennessee. One thing, too, I was thinking about, Bill talks so much about the blue bloods of the sport, uh, and uh, two of those are Kansas uh, literally, they wear blue, but they're also blue bloods and Duke. Uh, not often you beat both of those teams in a single season. No, you know, and, and they go into it as, as heavy favorites, um, certainly. But, you know, when you look at Kansas, they, they have a great team. They had lost their head coach, and I'm sure that had a little – that had some impact on their team. But they also lost to Arkansas. Arkansas, even though they were not a high seed – that is a good basketball school. Their history is great. They play hard. Uh, that's a you know a, a likeness in name opponent for them, and so you know that they were really fired up. Arkansas and Kansas playing against each other. I would rate that as a major upset. But then I would say, and maybe not, Arkansas has got a past history of being a very good basketball school and a basketball team. Uh, so we'll see what they do the rest of the way. But that, that was a, a stunning upset, uh, but maybe not so stunning as, as people believe. Bill, what is it about your sport and coaches taking their shirts off? I think back to Bruce Pearl. Uh, at the University of Tennessee. He went even further. He painted a power T on his chest. Now, that was at a ladies' basketball Vols basketball game. And then yesterday, uh, the uh, Musselman uh, takes his off. Uh, is there, what, what is it about that sport that, that well, makes you know, it Well, you know, you'd have to tell me what happens in the, in the dressing room and football games after a, a big win. I think part of that comes from the fact when – and you see this all the time if the, if the cameras will go there after the game. When they go into the locker room when it's over, the buckets of water come pouring down on the coach. And usually the coach will pull off his shirt before 
before that happens, just so he has something dry to put on when he when he leaves the when he leaves the locker room. So kind of kind of a little bit of a history there, where you dump the water on the coach as you celebrate your wins. And this doesn't have to be a championship game. You know, teams are will we'll well, celebrate. I, I can see that in the locker room. This happens out on the court. Yeah, I think that's preparation. (laughs) I I think think he's just telling you, okay, I'm ready, bring it on. (laughs) Pretty exciting. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, on the Southeastern Conference, by the way, uh, playing extremely well in this tournament. Uh, And uh, anyway, all right, let's let's kind of continue here, Bill. Uh, Let's get into some areas on this. Uh, 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 The one thing, just tell me kind of where this fits. Uh, Ziegler was injured, big loss. Maybe the best defensive player on the team. Shoot, he might be. He was up for the running for the best in the country. Uh, but if there is a maybe a a a silver lining, he he was injured f- deep enough or far enough away from the end of the season that this team and Coach Barnes and this coaching staff had an opportunity to kind of get the team more the way without him out there. Clearly, the leader, one of the leaders on this team. Uh, that that appeared to play a pretty big part. This team played extremely well together yesterday. Yes, they did. And I think, I think the big thing in Ziegler being gone was it, it changed the pace of the way Tennessee played because he was a full speed down the court uh, ball handler. Tennessee doesn't have that now. They've got Vescovy and 3J that are most of the time handling the ball, although as we've said many times, I like I like Vescovy off ball as a shooter, and he's as good as it gets. But I think one of the things that they did when that happened is, okay, we got to pick it up on the other end of the floor. We can't play with quite the pace that we did on offense, what we got to do is turn it up on the defensive end. And I think they've done an outstanding job of doing that. I, I have not seen a Tennessee team play as tough a defense as they did uh, against Duke in a long time. Duke had no answers at all. Uh, they were they were suffocated on their on their offensive end, and that was due to just good, plain, tough, aggressive defense. Like they went out there and said, "Okay, we can stop them on defense. We control what we do on defense. Offensively, maybe not. We don't know if we're going to hit shots. We don't know if the threes are going to fall. But we know that it's effort, and we can do this. It travels. We can play defense with anybody." Two things that, uh, well, probably more than two, but two certainly that Coach Barnes has talked about, kind of lamented on, quite frankly, uh, after ball games, uh, the losses, particularly turnovers. Tennessee has only nine yesterday against a very quick Duke defense. Duke, by the way, had 15. And then offensive rebounds, 12 to 6 in favor of Tennessee yesterday. The other thing I think they changed things, and this is another thing that has come in over this season, Tennessee played a very level game throughout. They didn't start poorly, you know, for the first 10 minutes and not be able to to play very well. They were pretty consistent throughout the entire game. That's something that has not been the case at, at, at all times during this year. But certainly with the, with the way they are playing, if they continue to defend like they have, uh, there's no reason that they can't compete with anybody right now. They are really, really playing well on the defensive end. And I think this is by design. I mean, I think that the coaches have probably sat down and said, okay, here's some, here's some things we can and we can't do. But we can put effort in every bit of the effort that we have on the defensive end of the floor, every time down the floor, every game, all night, all season. Bill, talk uh, just a little bit about the rest of the team on this as, and going forward what you're seeing here. They play, what, the winner of uh, Fairleigh Dickinson and uh, what, Florida Atlantic, I think. Is that right? Yeah, and you know, I, I'm, don't I know much I about them, do we? <laughs> don't know anything. I had one of my one of my friends that's a fan call me up and say, "I've never heard of Fairleigh Dickinson. Where? What is that? Is that a school? <laughs> you know." So this is kind of the thing that you're getting out of fans is they've picked up and followed this team closely, and they're seeing things as they play out. Now you know they they know who Kentucky is and they know who Alabama is and they know who Houston is, but you know there are some teams in there that they have not heard of, uh, and of course that's a that's a number sixteen seed, you know, going against a number four. What do you see uh, going forward? That game, uh, what is that a? Uh, should know this, but I don't. Is that a, uh, a thir- Thursday, Friday game, a Thursday, Saturday game, or a, f- a Friday? When's Tennessee play again? Um, I'm th- I'm thinking that they're playing. Um, 
Thursday, but I'm not sure on that. That'd make a whole lot of difference, doesn't on that. Let's look through the Southeastern Conference. A uh, couple of big wins yesterday. Uh, certainly, uh, the uh, uh, court, we expected Alabama to get there. I think what their Kentucky plays today, uh, opportunity to get four Southeastern Conference teams in the Sweet 16, three already there after yesterday's games. Yeah, Kentucky's got Kansas State. Uh, Kansas State's probably seated a little bit. Well, they are seated a little higher. They're a three. Kentucky is a six. I think Kentucky on a given day is is capable of beating anybody. I've got plenty of friends who are Kentucky fans, as I'm sure you do, because they're everywhere. Uh, They have not been very happy with this team. I think that could ease things up a little bit if they can come out and beat a team that's, uh, that's ranked higher than they are. Kentucky has the talent. They have had a hard time playing together and playing good at the same time. Sheebways is good, a, a deep, obviously, rebounder there is in the country, and he also can score underneath the basket. So individually, they've got the talent. Um, be interesting to see what they do with Kansas State today, even though they're a slight underdog. By the way, it was the uh, Horson Jackson show again yesterday. Tennessee Lady Vols win in Thompson Bowling, ninety-five to fifty. Of course, advance in that uh, area and uh, over St. Louis. So, anyway, two teams, both the basketball teams, doing well, and we'll continue talking uh, about them. Bill, uh, let's let's kind of go back and talk about the Vols a little bit going forward on this. Uh, the uh, what, what what did you see uh, the 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 thing that uh, and again I think we talked about this every single week. It's seemingly uh, the last month, or maybe a little bit even more than that. Uh, every uh, every press conference after the ball game uh, w- with Coach Barnes started with or real quickly got to taking care of the basketball much much better in that was there a change there as far as who was handling it the most uh, or was it just a factor of just playing better in that area. I think the flow probably slowed down, you know, when they lost their two point guard. Well, let me let me out. ask you, let me ask you this: You mentioned this a lot. Do you think this might be a better team at a slower pace? I think probably they are more conscious of not turning the ball over because they don't have their general, who's usually the guy that's, you know, the the point guard is like a quarterback in football. He kind of controls the speed. He sets up the plays. He gets the signals from Coach Barnes on the sideline or the coaching staff on what what they want him to do as he's bringing the ball down the floor. If you watch this on television, you can see the point guard, if they're not in a fast break situation, if he's coming down the floor, let's say the other team has made a basket, as he comes down, you'll see him glance over to the sideline, and much like you might do in football, the coach will give him some kind of, okay, here's what we're going to do with, with some kind of a sign or a signal. Here's where we're going with the ball. Here's who we want to get it. Let's try this. It seems to be working. So that point guard is the quarterback. He's the general. He's the one that knows the offense top and bottom. He knows what every individual can do. And it's been a good thing that Tennessee has played some other players in that backup. 3J we've talked about being a 6'5 guy that can see over the defense. They have kind of done this by committee. But I think that probably at at the point guard position, there's been a good concentration on we need to play this position as best we can without our starter. Another big uh, big part of the ball game points off turnovers. Tennessee only gave up seven, or Duke only had seven. Uh, University of Tennessee, uh, 18 points off turnover. So all the key metrics that I've heard you mentioned over the years, Tennessee won them relatively by a pretty good number on, on almost every key metric we talk about. Yeah, when you do that, that's what I was talking about. When you're able to do that and you're able to control those statistics that can have a positive or a negative, and you have a positive and a good positive there's not too many times that you're not going to win a a ball game. And these are the things that coaches, not just Tennessee, but every coach stresses, you know, as they're in practice or they're watching film. And believe me, they, they watch film just like I'm sure the football people do, and you can answer that. But they watch film on what they did good, but they watch film also on what they did uh, that wasn't so good. Let's do some correctional coaching here with these guys so that they know that this is not the way that we want to play. Tennessee right now is playing at the pace they want to on offense, which is quick, get down the floor and beat them. You know, play fast, but don't hurry. You've heard me say that many times. And they also are, are playing defense at the highest level uh, that I've seen them play defense in a long time. If I had to give them credit for the win, that's where it would be. It would be on the defensive end. They absolutely are picking up at three quarters and and they are 
forcing the offense to do things that they don't want to do and they don't do very well. You mentioned watching film, watching tape. <clears throat> now, it's tape, not film. I, I sometimes slip and say film, too. There is no more film. A lot of tape, though. <laughs> and by the way, one of the things that they're able to do because of technology now is that these players have access to every bit of that on their phone or on their on their computer laptop or on the computer so they don't have to go over to the uh, film room like they used to be able to have to do they can sit right there wherever they are and, and watch it but one of the one of the things that probably we don't talk about enough really I think it's probably in every sport I, I know it's in football and I'm I'm pretty sure it's in basketball the number of hours that these players individually watch and what they're looking for is they're looking for the the coaches are going to handle and practice is going to handle the overall scheme and going you know 11 on 11 or in basketball five on five but what these individual players are doing and certainly teams that run man defense in basketball and man coverage in football who am I going up against what does Bill Justice like to do if I'm going to guard him and what these guys know is the ones that are smart and veterans they know what you like to do and they're going to make you do or try to make you do what you can't do very well and but the number of hours that spent on spent on that really uh, it's actually significantly more than you spend out on the practice field quite frankly the good players that's Absolutely. what the good players and the do. other thing let me add to that that when you look at you look at I'm going to use Tennessee obviously as, as an example Tennessee right now has got 10 players that are averaging double-digit minutes. Only one, Vescovy, has over 30. So they are quick to substitute. They're going to be substituting two or three players by the time four or five minutes has gone into the game. So when they do their practices for an upcoming uh, uh, opponent, they are coaching players deep down into their roster on what they need to be doing offensively when they go in the game. This is where this is what we expect of you. So all of those players in that locker room, other than your walk-on guys that are used, you know, to to be uh, practice partners, are, are being schooled in on what they need to do on the defensive end, who they need to pick up, how fast they need to pick them up, what they need to force them to do. Here's what this player can do. Here's what he can't. He can't go left. Make him go left. So those coaching things are done with nine or ten players going into every game because nine or ten players know I'm going to get significant minutes and I'm going to get them four, three or four or five minutes into the game. Well, need to continue playing in the mud, right? If we do that, probably going to do well. Yeah, that's exactly right. Just keep keep slugging it through on the on the defensive end, and I, you know, in in all the years that I've watched them, this that was as much defensive effort. I mean, it, it almost looks like uh, that they're mad. Tennessee is playing so hard with so much energy on the defensive end. It's almost like, well, we've got something to prove here, and we're going to show that we can stop anybody. If they continue to do this, as I said, defense travels. Uh, they're going to be able to play with anybody. The, the, the game's coming up. It looks like they've got maybe a, an easy game or two, but then it's going to get a little bit tougher after that. But they uh, they have got a good chance to continue to advance if they can play defense like they did. Bill, you might be able to tell me this. I don't know if you read it or not. I forget where I saw this. It might have been on the UT website. Uh, but, but anyway, <clears throat> first off, we know this, uh, that, or at least I know this. Uh, when I listen to Coach Barnes, he mentions uh, Sante Vescovi every single press conference. He, he gets his name in there somewhere. But, uh, and I've, I read this somewhere yesterday. Uh, his story and him talking about the appreciation he had not only for where he went to, to school. He came up here from Brazil. He was talking about, you know, he didn't know it really couldn't speak much English where right. he went to high school. Uh, but also he mentioned the University of Tennessee so strongly in there. It's easy to see why Coach Barnes, you can tell he loves this guy. Yeah, and so do his teammates. This is one of the guys. Obviously, the fan base has has loved him all along. He he is such a good teammate. He is as great a catch-and-shoot player that I've ever seen, and and you and I have talked about that all season long. Get him off ball, get him an off-ball screen, come around, get it going left, right to left, or right to left doesn't make any difference. The distance from the goal makes no difference to him. When when I watch him shoot, I can tell you from the minute the ball leaves his hand if it's going to go in or not. 
That's how good his arch is when he shoots it. And he, he's as good a catch-and-shoot guy. And I'm starting to hear that now from announcers, and it's starting to be in the paper where we've talked about it all year. Now the, the press and, and other people on other radio shows are starting to talk about what a great catch-and-shoot player he is. He's, he's the one guy on there that, that uh, I think lifts Tennessee up simply because of who he is and what his character is, not just how he plays. Uh, he's a very beloved teammate and, and a player by the fan base. Well, actually, you've talked about it all year. I haven't talked about it very much. But anyway, Bill, hey, we're going to be talking about something next week. Uh, and uh, hopefully uh, we, uh, we'll be talking about same type what we're talking about now, good wins. Regardless, both the Lady Vols and the men move ahead. Tennessee basketball in the news. And when we come back after this break, I'll be talking about uh, Tennessee football spring practice. Now, Billy, anything you want to leave us with? No, just uh, for the fan base and the listeners, and I know we have a lot of them because I get uh, people talk to me all the time about it when I'm away from here. Um, hopefully that they continue to play at the, at the pace that they have. Make sure you keep the pressure up on defense. Make the buckets that you can, but keep the pressure on them. I think Tennessee's going to do that. I think that's what the emphasis is by the coaching staff to these guys, and they've picked up on it. So keep playing well, guys, and you'll stay in it. Thank you, Bill. Appreciate it. Billy the Legend, by the way, brought to you anytime he's on the, my show, Saturday or Sunday, brought to you by Stroud's Barbecue, where you're still just a pooch punt away from a Stroud store. We'll be right back after this break. A lot of football to talk about. I'll talk about, continue my conversation segment, Tennessee defense, and also looking at building a program. I want to continue building about that. The three key position groups, not the, the t- three key players but the position groups when you're building a program there's three areas that you better have solidified and it might surprise you what those three areas are all that of course in my opinion on that i'll talk to you right now about double dogs restaurant dan davis and the folks at double dogs three locations here in nashville one uh, down near downtown off Charlotte Pike, one in Hillsborough Village, and, of course, one up in Gallatin, Tennessee. I guess technically that's not Nashville. That's Middle Tennessee, right? Also up in Knoxville, Bowling Green, Dan Davis and the folks, huge Tennessee fans. I'm sure Dan was probably down at the ballgame yesterday, quite frankly. But great food where you can take your whole family. I go there at least once a week, almost every single week. And my go-to, I like kind of change it up a little bit, but whether it be salads, whether it be burgers, whether it be uh, uh, almost any type of sandwich you want, uh, a BLT is one of my favorites there also. If you're of that want that likes a beverage, they got those there for you. And again, you take your whole family, 30-plus TVs, watch any game if you want to do that, or just sit there and talk with your family and friends. Check out all the locations at doubledogs.biz. Hey, Mom, now that I have my driver's license, can we go test drive cars? You promised me a car when I turned 16. We need to go to a dealership that we can trust so we can find a vehicle that is safe, dependable, and reliable. You know, I did a little research on the web at walkerchevrolet.com, and they are a family-owned dealership that has been around since 1926. I think we can trust them to help us find the perfect vehicle. You know, they are more than just a Chevy store. They have everything, from A to Z, literally. They have an Acura, BMW, Cadillac, GMC, Dodge, and it just keeps going through the alphabet, including a Mercedes-Benz, Toyota, and Nissan. But you missed the letter J. I've always wanted a Jaguar. Yes, Mom. You can test drive a Jaguar because they have one of those, too. From A to Z, come take a test drive today at Walker Chevrolet. Walker Chevrolet, exit 65 off I-65 in Franklin and online 24-7 at walkerchevrolet.com. At Wilson Bank and Trust, our game plan in the community includes supporting our local schools on the gridiron and in the classroom. When it comes to buying or improving your home, we can help your family with those game plans too. From personal loans to mortgages, our lending experts are with you every step of the way. Let us help you get your financial game plan together at wilsonbank.com or any of our 28 Middle Tennessee locations. Wilson Bank and Trust, member FDIC, equal housing lender. When it comes to replacement windows, nobody delivers more value than American Home Design. The quality of these windows were better than anything else. Add striking elegance with a front entry or patio door. One of the things that sold us is the lifetime warranty. Our lifetime workmanship warranty means peace of mind for as long as you own the home. Get a very good value for my dollar. 
During our March Mania sale, you'll get 50% off installation, plus no payments, no interest for 12 months. Don't miss out. Call or click now. You can't spell hero without HR. And you can't build a healthy work culture without employees who smile a lot. So be the hero your company needs and recruit your top prospects with dental plans that are sure to have them smiling at DeltaDentalTN.com. At Delta Dental, we dot your eyes and cross your teeth. Get it? Eyes? Teeth? Yeah, we cover both now. Meet the dental plan company with vision plan bundles at DeltaDentalTN.com and keep those eyes and teeth in check. And now, a moment of silence to remember our dear friend. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh, man. Life can be uncomfortable. Your home doesn't have to be. With air conditioners, furnaces, and heat pumps installed by a Ring Pro partner, you can feel comfortable, even when you can't be comfortable. Ah, jeez. Really? Trust the expert installation and service of your local Rain Pro partner. Visit RainProPartnersTN.com to find one near you. What happens to your decision-making when you drink? Well, after one drink, you feel confident. A few more. And calling your ex at 1 a.m. seems like a great idea. And you're pretty sure the secret to a great taco is four-day-old macaroni. The bottom line, drunk you doesn't make great decisions. So you're risking a DUI or worse if you count on him to get you home. Plan before you party. Get home safe. Paid for by the Tennessee Highway Safety Office. This is Doug Matthews. If you miss any or part of my weekend shows, Big Orange Sunday, Football Saturday, or Coach to Coach, you can catch up on the podcast at CoachDougMatthews.com. Each show is up immediately after they are aired live right here on 104.5 The Zone. All three shows, plus High School Sports Saturday, they're all podcast at CoachDougMatthews.com. Emails and texts this week. Uh, well, one today, as a matter of fact. Uh, I'm going to hit real quickly before I get into the conversation segment and look at Tennessee's defense. Uh, Jeff Haiti, a good friend of the show and a big Tennessee fan. Grunfield had 36 points in the NCAA tournament game. Reggie Johnson had 28 or 30 in 1980. Uh, so that, of course, I, I, <clears throat> when I was talking about that, I probably didn't clear clean that up quite quite a much i wasn't talking about particularly points i just talking about a great game number of minutes and all those types of things but obviously grunfeld reggie johnson two pretty good basketball players at tennessee kamora though sitting there again what 27 points 22 minutes and uh outstanding defense rebounds assists so anyway uh <clears throat> the other one on yesterday many of you might have heard i t- we i was talking to charles davis and we got to as <laughs> If you've ever listened to Charles on the radio, we, he kind of gets into the history part of it occasionally, which is something I love and I think the listeners love. But anyway, we was talking about the story about Ken Donahue, and I used the term, uh, 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 his nickname was Crowbar. Uh, Gavin Malloy uh, emailed me yesterday and he said, what's the story behind, never heard that before. Uh, Ken Donahue, great defensive coordinator, best I was ever around, and I was ever around some damn good ones. <clears throat> anyway, Donahue uh, it, it was hard-headed. Uh, a lot of people thought, and Dale Jones, the great Dale Jones, who, for my money, when I was at 10 years, I was Tennessee, I don't know if anybody made more big plays on defense than Dale Jones did, but Dale sometimes would, uh, uh, he, he wouldn't quite do what the defense called for. He kind of freelanced a little bit. Now, most of the time made huge plays. The interception in in, uh, uh, in 85 in Birmingham against uh, Mike Shula uh, was one of the classic plays in Tennessee football history. Uh, but anyway, Dale would kind of freelance, and Ken was kind of hard-headed about wanting, wanting you to do what he wanted he wanted you to do, wanting you to do what he wanted you to do. Anyway, in a nutshell, Dale Jones was talking about him one time, not to his face now, and said, you know, he's, he's like a crowbar. You know, he's, he's hard-headed. Uh, so anyway, he's the – Nickname kind of fit. Coaches and everybody behind his back uh, called him Crowbar, although I think probably he would have enjoyed that. Anyway, uh, so let's talk just a little bit. I want to get into some football talk here. Uh, Spring practice starts Tuesday, the 21st. Tennessee will go – their primary schedule will be Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Now, it's going to be four weeks. 
is a four-week schedule. Spring game is the 15th, so obviously there's going to be some four practices in there. Uh, but they've scheduled uh, 13 of those. That includes the coaches' clinic. But primarily, they're going to go Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, uh, and they got a couple that they've left open. I'm sure he'll move those around. And quite frankly, uh, it's not uncommon for for a head football coach, depending on how things are going, to move those dates around. You only get 15 practices, though. One of those have to be the spring game, and normally that 14th practice is getting the, you know the teams ready for the spring game. So anyway. Big spring, but they always are. Let's kind of talk just a little bit about where this team is. And more importantly, I want to start with where this program is. You've heard me talk about this a lot. I don't talk about it enough, and I'm going to continue talking about it. You build, A head football coach, when he comes in, must build a program. That doesn't happen in one year, two years, or sometimes even three years. Uh, it took Coach Majors, what, four, five, six years to get a program where he wanted it. Uh, but regardless of how long it takes, it doesn't happen overnight. Again, now, if you take over a pretty good program like Coach Fulmer did, a little bit different. The program was pretty much set. He added to that his touch on that, and it's, it, it, it's especially from a recruiting perspective. Philip was an outstanding head coach recruiter. Uh, I don't think there's much question the best that's ever been at Tennessee. Uh, but the program was it was it was in great shape uh, when 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 uh, Philip took over up there. Not not true with Coach Heupel, obviously. Program was down, so building a program is so very very key. Let me tell you the three position group. Here's what I look at when I'm sitting back looking at the University of Tennessee, looking at where they are, where they're headed, how they're getting there, what Coach Heupel is doing and his staff is doing. There's three key position groups that I always look at. Now, you can dicker a little bit about whether you, 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 uh, uh, whether you agree or disagree with this, but here's the point. The three key position groups at building a program at Tennessee – and I would argue probably most universities' programs, but at Tennessee is the offensive line, the defensive line, and the secondary. Tennessee plays with five offensive linemen. Everybody else does. That's a big position group. They play with five defensive backs. That's a big position group. And they play with four defensive linemen. Now, before we get into that, I'm, I know that some are going to say, hey, the most important position on the football team is quarterback, no doubt about that. But at the University of Tennessee, you just tell me this. Now, I go back to 1980. Some of you go back further than that. I've followed this program exclusively since 1980. Tell me when Tennessee hasn't had a good running back. When I got there, we had a guy named Johnny Jones. And every single year since then, I cannot remember a time where Tennessee did not have a really, really good running back, and at some points we had two or even three. All right, so running back, wide receiver. When has Tennessee not had a couple of really good wide receivers? In some some years, more than two. Last year would be one of them. So those two positions, they're extremely – they're not easy to recruit. Well, they are easy to recruit. There's a lot of running backs out there. You go to a high school game here in Middle Tennessee – there's four, five, six running backs in the, in, in Middle Tennessee that, that could play at the collegiate level and play very, very well. Maybe not great players, but they can play well enough to win ball games. Receivers, same way. A lot of good ones out there. Quarterback, now that's a little bit different. You got to find that right quarterback. But again, go back to 1980. You can probably go before that. I'm sure you can. But since 1980, been very, very few years where Tennessee hasn't been good at quarterback. Maybe not great. But good, certainly quarterbacks that are capable of winning a lot of ball games if they have those players around them. But the key to building the program, offensive line, defensive line, and secondary. <clears throat> now, here's where I think Coach Heupel and staff have really done an excellent job. Let's look at those positions. And I want to look at it in two areas. Building a program, if you if when you get your program built, and Tennessee is close to getting to this level in only two years, not there yet, but close. You have veteran players with a lot of experience, three years at least, some four, and in some instances five, playing 
in those key areas, and you have younger players who are down there soaking. All right? So I just want to hit these areas real quickly on this just to kind of give you an idea of where Tennessee is, where Coach Heupel has this program. And again, from my viewpoint, looking at it from a coaching viewpoint. Offensive line. All right, let's look at the veteran players and the experienced players on this team. Mincy, Mays, Spragans, Crawford. All right, probably going to be four year five starters, three of them for sure. All, this will be their fourth year playing. Fourth year. All right, so they're what, 22 years old? Maybe 23? Campbell, who's coming in, transfer portal play, fifth year. Carrick coming in. Fourth year on this team, you got Davis, you got Lampley, you got Ball, and you got Lane with five or six years experience. Now, those last four I mentioned, they're not going to be starters, but they're guys who are 23 years old, physically strong, good mental players too, by the way, who can go in and they can probably give you 15, 20 snaps a game if called on. So you're sitting there and you're looking at eight or nine players on this offensive line who have a minimum of four years' experience. That's huge. Then what, 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 what do you look at next? What we have coming. Again, we're talking about a program. The veteran players and then those younger players. Soakers, Nichols, Grant, Reddick, Clipper, they're all being their second year. All right, they're soakers. They're down there soaking, getting stronger, getting smarter, learning techniques better under Coach Ellerby. They brought in a junior college transfer that has three years left in Johnson. He will be a soaker. And then three freshmen, Inumarov, uh, Lang, and Bustle. All right, I think that's the way you pronounce her name. As my old coach told me one time, I learned your name when you do something. Those are first-year guys. So you're sitting there with eight soakers that are coming along to fill in once these older players graduate. Now, Tennessee is an excellent position. I don't know if there's great players there. I would put Mays in and really, really good. Spragans in really, really good. We saw Mincy develop last year, Crawford to a certain extent. So... Looking at this program that this head coach is building, offensive line, both from a veteran experience group and the soaker group, in really good shape. Let's look on the defensive side of the ball. Same thing. Strong side, defensive end. All right? That's the rush end. That's the end that can also play defensive tackle. Eason, Bailey, uh, with, with four years. A transfer portal player, Norman Lott coming in. With three years, you got West, who's technically a soaker but played a lot. He'll be in that. He's in his second year at the defensive tackle. Thomas and Terry and Garland and Simmons with four or five years. You got McNeil playing well in there with three, and essentially the same thing with Barron and Harrison at the uh, strongs at the rush defensive end, and then you got. Soaking players in Jenkins and Robinson and Hobbs and Weatherly Duncan, without going through the whole list on this group, again, a position group. We have four starters there with experienced players that have played a lot of snaps in the league and young guys who appear to have the ability. And some of this we have to go on recruiting. I think the staff has done an excellent job of recruiting. So, again, a position group with four positions looking this year and in the future appear to be in really good position. Defensive secondary, just kind of taking a look at it, as I mentioned last week. Now, you might quibble a little bit about how good these guys are. I think they're better than they've been playing. I'll have a little time at the end of the, uh, at the last segment of this show to talk more about that on defense. But you got McDonald with four years, McCullough with five, Walker with five, Slaughter with four, all guys that have played a lot of snaps in the safety and the nickel and the star position. Cornerback Burrell, Haddon, Turnage, uh, all with five years and uh, experience, and they're bringing in Judy, a transfer portal player who's in his fifth year. You got six or seven, uh, you got actually eight younger guys that are soakers and in, uh, that appear to have the talent 
to build this program along. So without getting into all of it, here's just the thing to look for. You know, what I'm trying to do in these conversation segments in this offseason going into spring, this is what coaches look at when they're sitting in a staff room and looking at that depth chart and looking at the future and talking about recruiting. They're looking at the players that are there this year that they're going to count on, the younger players that are coming up, where do we need help? And in the areas you need help, what they have now that did not have for many years, they got the transfer portal coming in on that area. But just from a building the program standpoint, if I were a Tennessee fan, and I am a Tennessee fan, I would feel very comfortable about those three basic areas that you need to be good. You better be good in the offensive line. They don't get a lot of praise. You better be good in the defensive line unless you're getting a lot of sacks. You don't get mentioned there much. And you darn sure better get in this day and time and age in, in football. You better be good in the secondary. Tennessee and all of those areas, Coach Heupel has this this group, this team moving towards being really solid in those three groups. Now, he's been fortunate, quite frankly. The COVID year has helped him, no doubt. Again, he's only been there two years. Normally, it takes longer than that. This program wasn't in very good shape when he took over. To get to 11 wins in his second year, you have to be a little bit fortunate, which Tennessee was. And you also have to get some breaks and from an injury situation, which Tennessee had been pretty fortunate there. And you also have had a couple of things happen with COVID. You got that COVID year. I don't, I don't have the exact number, but there, Tennessee has had these last two years several COVID players that would have been out of eligibility that were able to play these two years because 2020 did not count. And the transfer portal, especially at the skill positions, has been really, really big. Where, where, where would, where would this program be these first two years without the quarterback to transfer? What if Hendon Hooker hadn't transferred in and Joe Milton hadn't transferred in? Hopefully for this year. How about the wide receiver position? You know, what, what, what would have happened if if Jones hadn't transferred in and Brew McCoy hadn't transferred in and a couple of others there? So, been fortunate there, but it has taken advantage of it. But the key going forward is this: if if you look at it, and as I look at the players that he has on this year's team and the players, the younger players that are down there soaking, this is a program that is pretty close to being a really solid, solid football program. Now, what's the key in this league? you got to get those great players. you got to get a Hendon Hooker. You know, uh, you have to get a Jalen Hyatt. Uh, you you got to get those players. Will some of these freshmen be those types of players? Well, we're going to find out. Looks like, from what we've seen so far, looks like things look really bright in that area. All right, quick break. We come back. I'm going to talk. I'll get into the conversation segment about the defense, what Coach Banks and this staff are probably, I think without question, talking about in in those rooms when the door is shut and you can say anything you want to. We're going to talk about that when we come back. Mid-10 Ford. Are you a truck person? I am, and I'm a mid-10 Ford truck person. I drive a Ford Ranger. Had a guy stop by my house the other day, do a little work on my house, and he (laughs) – I've never had this question asked me before. A lot of people, you know, because of my background, will ask something about Tennessee football or football in general. He was working in my house yesterday. He said, by the way, he said, uh, do you really drive a Ford Ranger? <laughs> I said, yeah. For mid-10 Ford? I said, yeah, matter of fact, I do. And he said, can I look at it? I said, well, yeah, if you want to. So we went out, and it parked out there in my parking lot. Bottom line is this. If you're looking for a, a truck, you're probably looking for a Ford truck. And if you're looking for a Ford truck, you're unquestionably looking at mid-10 Ford. Their website says it all. It's mid10trucks.com. Go to it, check them out. You'll find one that's right for you. The Boyt family been in business, I don't know, what, 75, 80 years now at Mid-10 Ford. Weekend sports fans, don't you just love a thrilling game that comes down to the wire? Nashville area real estate transactions can be the same way. You need a skilled coach to take you through it all, down to the wire. That's the service you'll get from me, Lucy Baldorf. Now is the perfect time to sell. The playing field is ripe with buyers. Call and let's discuss your game plan. Contact Lucy Baldorf, Frederick and Clark Realty, 615-263-4800. Can't wait to hear from you. At Great Clips, they know you got a lot going on just like I have. That's why they save my haircut details and clip notes. 
so I can get the same haircut as the last time whenever I want. No stress, no worries, no questions asked. And with 60 salons in the Middle Tennessee area, it's easy to find a Great Clips location near you. I've been a client of Great Clips for over 10 years, and if you're looking for a great cut, simply download their online check-in app today. Great Clips. It's going to be great. We all make plans. Big plans, little plans, plans to save, plans to walk the dog, plans for after work. Even plans for when our plans go wrong. It seems like we make plans for everything, except ourselves. At Farm Bureau Health Plans, you are the plan. Your health, your smile, your spring and your step, and your family. And that is the best plan of all. Farm Bureau Health Plans. Plan on us. Visit FBHP.com. There are a lot of physical therapists in Tennessee, and you don't want to go to a therapist. You want to choose the therapist that is right for you. This is Charles Davis. I had injuries in my playing days and valued the importance of a quality rehab program. I know and trust these folks, which is why I would choose Star Win in Tennessee, and you should too. Their clinicians have world-class advanced training to make them great mechanics of the human body and to get you better fast. Find a star location near you at starpt.com. Looking for a place for a gathering? Strike and Spare Family Fun Centers are great for birthday and corporate parties, fundraising events, and all types of group activities and reunions. Strike and Spare Family Fun Centers offer bowling, games, food, drink, and entertainment for all ages. For more information, you can visit them online at strikeandspare.com or see them in any of their five Middle Tennessee or three Knoxville area locations. Plus, all locations have their own Facebook page and are open seven days a week, including holidays. There's never a bad time for a good time at Strike and Spare Family Fun Centers. Just what is Stover's Liquidation? Is it the only place to see the biggest selection of flooring at the best prices? Yes. The place to get name brand appliances 40% off the big box stores? Yes. The Stover's Liquidation have the best price and selection on landscaping stones? Yes. Now, is it your best place to buy paper goods and residential and commercial cleaning supplies? Wait, what? Yes, it is. Come in and see for yourself at Stover's Liquidation in Oak Ridge, Cookville, and Murfreesboro, or shop online anytime at stoversliquidation.com. This is Dwayne Hardy of Forklift Systems. Most have experienced severe supply chain disruptions. Our industry is no different. One exception is new electric forklifts. It's time to consider going electric. They're environmentally friendly and cost less to own and operate. Manufacturers and government agencies are offering cash incentives to lease or purchase. To see if electric forklifts are right for you, contact us at forkliftsystems.com. This is Doug Matthews. If you miss any or part of my weekend shows, Big Horn Sunday, Football Saturday, or Coach to Coach, you can catch up on the podcast at coachdougmatthews.com. Each show is up immediately after they are aired live right here on 104.5 The Zone. All three shows plus High School Sports Saturday, they're all podcast at coachdougmatthews.com. Bighorn Sunday brought to you by Wilson Bank and Trust. Uh, I'm going to be uh, Mr. Spring practice. I'm going up to 28. That'll be the fourth practice. First two practices, 20, the 21st and 23rd. First two practices are without pads. That's by NCAA rules. I, 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 I don't know why they continually put restrictions on what you can have on in practice. I guess <clears throat> kind of like the uh, – IRS tax code, they they hate to – once the rules in there, put it in place. But most coaches nowadays, almost every coach, we're past the time when they – as Charles and I were talking about yesterday where you blow the whistle again and start practice all over again. They're so conscious of, uh, uh, you know, players, not, not only safety, but also their health issues on that. But anyway, uh, the first two practices, 21st of March, 23rd of March, will be in, in, in uh, shorts. Uh, I guess helmets, they can wear helmets also, no pads. And uh, 25th uh, practice will be the first day. So I'll be up there anyway, bottom line, 28th, uh, getting uh, ready. I'll be kind of reporting on what what I'm able to see, and we'll talk about a little bit more about that. I had a question. I've had three or four questions actually about the, the stadium, how the need in the stadium renovations are going on. By the way, uh, if you, uh, you if you go to the UT website, I don't know exactly what it's under, but it's the Neyland Stadium Enhancements, I think is what's under, and it kind of shows you and tells you what's going on there. Uh, the, uh, the job that they're doing up there, uh, some of this has been in the planning for four or five years. Uh, and some of it has been added by Danny White, who, by the way, <clears throat> you know, we 
will probably have plenty of opportunities to be critical of him as an athletic director. Hard to find anything right now. Tennessee athletics and sports, you go back, I, I don't talk about many of the other sports on this show uh, other than football and basketball, but uh, a lot of the sports are doing exceptionally well up there right now. And Tennessee getting uh, getting back to where it was maybe in the what, 60s and even sometimes in the 70s. But anyway, the stadium, Neyland Stadium, which is the, the jewel of, of the university, uh, certainly the athletic part, many would say the university, uh, The uh, everything will be done. It, it started last year, 2022. It'll be completing the fall of 2025. So obviously there's a lot of things going on there. I would say the biggest thing for fans that go to ball games without question will be the stadium-wide Wi-Fi connectivity. Uh, that is something that in many stadiums, is, you know, we didn't have Wi-Fi, <laughs> what, 15 years ago, whenever. Didn't need it. But, boy, now it is. And, you know, the, they tell me uh, at, uh, the, at the university level, this isn't specifically the University of Tennessee. I don't, I don't know what the, the, the numbers are there. But by far the number one uh, concern and complaint – for stadium goers and ball games, uh, I would assume it's probably the same thing in basketball, is the lack of being able to use their Wi-Fi. Uh, students, the student kind of interesting in, in, the, uh, in the surveys that they take. The number one thing for students, they want to be able to have that phone there and be able to converse with other people. Some want to watch ball games on it, to kind of move around a little bit. And kind of interesting, a uh, little little useless fact on this, but kind of a, interesting on that survey. It came out a couple of years ago. Uh, the number one thing that, that, that students that keeps them from going to games is when it's raining or misting, and not for the reason you would think of. I'd say, well, they don't want to get out in the rain. No, it's because they don't want to get their, their, uh, their phone wet. So kind of interesting on that. Anyway, completion that the uh, completion of that, the expansion of that ongoing, it'll be through in the 2025 season on that. One thing on it, I'm running out of time here, but I'll have to move some of this other stuff down the road, but kind of one thing on it, kind of looking at what they're going to be doing on this. First off, all the concourses are going to be wider. Uh, if you've been to Neyland Stadium, there's not many areas that, other than the newly renovated ones where you could you could walk two or three abreast down there, but that's going to improve. One thing I kind of notice on this, and I'm going to check this out when I get up there, one of the things they're talking about doing is shifting T. Martin Drive to the south of the gate number 10 ramp. I don't know exactly how that's going to work. I, I don't know if they're going to have to move some buildings around on that or what. Uh, but uh, anyway, I'll, that just kind of piqued my interest a little bit on that. Bottom line, it is going to be beautiful when it's all said and done. And hopefully with 2025, and I bet we're going to, we're going to have a pretty good football teams going to be playing in there. And certainly we're going to have some great games to go to up there. I'm going to hold the conversation segment I can't get into now, but let's just talk a, a little bit about 2024 when the team, uh, when the uh, Texas and Oklahoma get here, Oklahoma and Texas gets here. Uh, I always try to put Oklahoma in front of Texas for, if you listen to the show, for obvious reasons. But 2024, when that happens, we got going to have a new format. We're going to have a nine-game schedule conference schedule almost assuredly uh we're in all likelihood 95 percent maybe it's even 100 percent done now they just have not announced it tennessee will have like every other team three common opponents that they play every year uh i don't think there's much doubt that one of those for tennessee is going to be vanderbilt i think that's set in stone pretty much any school that has any uh, any state that has two two schools, which Tennessee is one of them, uh, in in the Southeastern Conference, that's going to be a common opponent. And I would think probably Alabama would be be one too. I think most people think that, but that's not done yet. But anyway, when that happens, regardless, just think of the great games you're going to have in Neyland Stadium. If you're a fan of some other school in your same, just think of the teams that can come in. Every other year at the very latest, every other year at the very least, Oklahoma's going to be played, and every four years they'll be in, in Knoxville. Texas will be in Knoxville. Georgia will be in Knoxville. Uh, Florida, of course, we see them will be in Knoxville. Alabama will be in Knoxville. Texas A&M, just think the ball games that's going to be coming in there. And that's not including maybe a non-conference on-site game as well. 
a lot of bright things going on in this league. It's going to be tough to play in this league, but it's going to be a lot of fun. I don't know if I'd want to be coaching in it, but I darn sure I'm glad I'm going to be watching it. We're out of time. Thanks to Jackson Williams. By the way, Jackson uh, board up on my show here, does a little producing of it, mentioned the fact that he's going to be driving his dad's out of town. Jackson's a young guy, by the way, and he's going to be able to drive his Ford 150, F-150 on that. So congratulations, Jackson. I hope your dad has insurance on it for you. Dad's out of town, I guess. Hey, thanks so much for being. Uh, thanks so much for being part of the show. Always great having Bill Justice on here. Billy, the legend, Tennessee basketball, both both men's and women's, doing exceptionally well right now. Pretty good time to be a Tennessee fan if you look at it right now. Enjoy it. We'll talk to you next Sunday, right here, nine o'clock. Excuse me, eight o'clock for Forklift Systems. Well, that's Forklift Citizens Football Saturday, next Saturday. If you can't reach for that, we'll see you next Sunday, Big Orange Sunday, right here on 104.5 The Zone. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Title Transference aired October 27, 2004. Director James Marshall, writers Todd Slavkin, Darren Swimmer. I really like this episode, and I'm surprised that you don't like it as much as you thought you did. I actually respect your opinion more than I respect my own in general. (laughs) (laughs) When you say things are good and I check them out, they are. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.